This is The Big Sci-Fi Podcast. The biggest, most fun podcast in the galaxy. We're Adina, Brian, Chris, and Steve, and we love talking all things science fiction. This is season four, but our human adventure is just beginning as we gather around our computer consoles to discuss the science fiction of film, television, and literature. Join us on our quest for fun and fascination as we go where no podcast has gone before. Everyone has permission to come aboard the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, but make sure to find your seat fast because we're taking off in three, two, one. Hit it. This podcast is a part of the Trek Geeks Network. Welcome, listeners. You know, the engineer in me is super giddy for today's Big Sci-Fi Podcast episode. My entire life, I've been inspired by Starfleet chief engineers. You know, there's Scotty, LaForge, Belana Torres, Tucker. And then all through Strange New World Season 1, we had a new chief engineer who very quickly became a beloved character and fan favorite, Chief Engineer Hammer. So today, I'm super happy to welcome to the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, Bruce Horak, who played yeah. Hammer. There we go. <laughs> so... What's really amazing to me is in the small time we chatted, mostly <laughs> when I met Bruce at Trek Long Island back in May, his personality seems to be the complete opposite of Hemmer. <laughs> right? Yes. Hemmer yes, is gruff <laughs> right. and curmudgeonly, if that's a word. And Bruce is super cheerful and friendly. So welcome, Bruce. We're so happy you're here with us chatting today. Well, a cheerful and friendly hello to you all. Thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here. Yeah. yeah thank you. Awesome. Well, we are dying to know, you know, all the mm. things about Strange New Worlds. Uh, oh, sure. Gosh. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, before we, we got on, you know, I, I did a lot of research and and listened to, uh, you know, some of your other interviews. And, and I, I'm it's really interesting to know that, you know, the auditioning process has transitioned to Zoom. So this whole Zoom thing, what we're doing right now, this is, I guess, a par for the course. Mm hmm. This what is the standard. Like? This is the standard for uh, for auditions now. It's really changed. I mean, getting in the room with a casting director and a camera person and and a line reading. I, I just haven't done that. And well, I didn't do much of it to begin with. But um, now it seems like self tapes and auditions over Zoom are just uh, yeah, it's a big part of it. I mean, what it what it has done is afforded people who are maybe outside of the sort of regions where the auditions were taking place to actually get to get to to do that. I was at my home in Stratford, Ontario, which is about, well, it's an hour and a half drive uh, on a good day. But, um, you know, if I was to go into it to do the audition, I did ended up doing about four auditions. That would have been four full days. I mean, it's travel in, go and sit in a waiting room for half an hour until you're called and you go in for your five minutes and then, you know, pack up and go home and uh, tear your hair, hair out and uh, lose a night of sleep regretting everything you've said. Um, <laughs> now you can do that from the comfort of your own home. <laughs> so simple. So, so when you talk about, you know, regretting everything that you've said, did you have mm. a process that once you were done, did you have a routine where you're like, okay, I'm going to go do this thing, relax. I'm going to go turn on a TV show and try to forget He's, about What it. Chris is really asking you, sir, is was there any particular <laughs> food you would want to eat <laughs> after that an audition? Chris is I mean, friend. that's fair. <laughs> it also has to occur with the show, though, if I were, if we're being right, honest. Right, right, right. Well, I had, a, I had an acting teacher uh, in, at college who, who gave really great advice about auditions, which was to have something to do 
something to go to after the audition, mm-hmm. something to just, just completely different from that. Cause otherwise, you know, it's, it's just, it's the, the, the same case with interviews of any kind is that you wonder what you could have said or done differently. So get your mind out of it and go and do something else. And, and I, yeah, I really stick with that. I, I try to schedule my day so that I've got other things to think about and other, other priorities and that it's, it is, it's going to a job. You go and you do the job to the best of your ability. And then, um, you know, you kind of leave it in the office as best you can. And uh, if uh, if you're asking me what foods, it's always chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. <laughs> okay, chocolate. excellent. That's awesome. That's I'm good. on board with that. <clears throat> <clears throat> chocolate yeah. is good for you. It's good for yeah. your soul. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Potato <laughs> chips. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. my go-to. Potato chips. So pizza, pizza, pizza. pizza. only oh, pizza. Really? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Something so how- really. You're like a creme brulee. I've got to have creme brulee. Oh, oh. crack. <laughs> You're that crack and you know it's good. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and then there was cooking on the show too, which is, you know, spending time in a in a kitchen. That was kind of an interesting, I don't know, thing for uh, the show. I love the knife scene. Yes. I love the knife scene. <laughs> that was fantastic. That was so that good. Was scene I, uh, that was the scene I read for for the audition. That was the one that was oh, interesting. Really? Inside. That, was the, that was the bit that, uh, yeah, that was the audition scene. I'll be darn. So let's take our chief engineer character and put a bit of kitchen. And that's yeah. how it, <laughs> see what he can engineer with the with some vegetables. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's you right. know I, I love that, that Strange New Worlds does that, that they have people gather in his quarters because i'm a big table fellowship guy like i think the best things happen when you're sitting around Mm -hmm. a table with your friends or Mm -hmm. even even a total even someone you don't know a neighbor that you're trying to get to know the best things happen when you're sharing food together i agree just breaks down walls of all kinds Mm -hmm. you just get to be yourself and something magical happens so i love they're doing that on the show yeah me too me too it's yeah. an informality and it's a, I think it's a bonding of the family. It really gives mm-hmm. that feeling of, yeah, not, not siblings sitting together, but family, family. Members. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's lovely. It, it establishes a great, a great rapport. What can, can, can I go? I know Adina's got some specific questions, but well, if you don't I'm, mind, I, can I ask you, I've, I've got some I, questions. Okay, too cool, cool. Yes, we're, we're questions. ready to go. Maybe we need to do rock, paper, scissors when we're, no, you go, when Brian, we're go. okay. I'm going to go. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I've got kids in there. Yeah. They're constantly doing rock, paper, scissors with me. Um, <laughs> constantly. So, um, what has, what has surprised you the most about either your character or, or the role or how fans have responded to you? Um, because I got to say, I mean, you know, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen season one, I I was shocked to see you fall off that ship and down. So it was such a beautiful, beautiful, I mean, I was in tears. I'm an emotional guy. I cry at just about everything, Mm -hmm. but that was so unexpected and so gut wrenching and yet beautiful. Um, what I, I know you said at Trek Long Island that that was you knew that was coming, but yeah. how, how what surprised you about that and people's reaction? Well, exactly that. I I, I didn't know the extent to which it was going to affect people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, just just from the inside of it, I I thought, oh, that that hammer really was. I mean, you did, I I did not have a sense of the scope of the whole series. I mean, I didn't I didn't read every episode. I, I only read the episodes that I was in, and they they very graciously gave me the pilot episode, which which technically I wasn't supposed to be in. I mean, it wasn't in the, on the page um, that I would beam in in that last shot. Um, sidebar that was the last thing that i ended up shooting and it was one of like the last day i was on set and they just kind of i don't know what i was doing going off to some photo shoot or some 360 camera thing where they were gonna you know whatever taking photos of hammer and they said we got one more thing for you to shoot and i, <clears throat> I went into the the transporter room and they said we're just gonna throw this one bit in we might do a little cutaway where hammer's beaming on and they gave me my my jacket and the, i don't know bag or something to put over my shoulder and told me to stand on the transporter pad and I was like great another bucket list item scratched off um but the scope of the series i i really felt like uh hammer was not going to be f- like such a featured role in the in the show i thought maybe you know i was in a red shirt i was you know <laughs> in a few episodes and i was you know gonna leap do a little leap off the back of the ship and and that would be it. But the um, when when they sent um, this was before the the premiere even they sent some screeners to the cast, and I was like, why are they sending me a screener? Like I'm I'm just kind of like a, a day player or something. And and then I got the 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 first episode screener, and then watching the <laughs> watching the the credits come up and there was my name beside the glowing nacelles like bruce horak mm. wait a minute i'm this is not like wow. you know, that's wow. me post credits or anything like you know feature but it was a really featured role and then just how featured it was going to be mm-hmm. on the posters and the publicity and then getting flown down to new york for the premiere and all of that i mean the mm. the moment where I was in New York and walked down into to um, Times Square and saw these enormous advertisements. And then I went down to the to the subway station that was all decked out with Strange New World stuff. And there's this enormous, you know, larger than life image of Hammer <laughs> in amongst all the other crew. And I just thought, wow, like how how did this happen? <laughs> and 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 this, this the love of the, the love of the character. It was, I think, incredibly well written. They they set out to achieve something, and they not only achieved it, but I think they're uh, they're suffering the tsunami of Hammer backlash now because people want him back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, well, you did a good job if they want him back. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure for that. If if there's still a Save Hammer campaign going, um, <laughs> and and. Uh, I 100% condone those actions. Please <laughs> keep those letters coming because yeah. if, if Star Trek's taught us anything, it's that the power of the fans can move mm-hmm. mountains. And you were a, a Trekkie before. Oh, yes. Yeah. Right? So that is to yep. me, that that's the most amazing thing is like living out that, like you're, you're living all of our dreams. <laughs> it's true. And I, I really don't take that for granted. You know, um, uh, I've been a part of sh- some... Well, okay, so a number of years ago, I did a production of a thing called Evil Dead the Musical, which was oh. um, 
yeah, based on the Evil Dead franchise. Now, I was, I had seen Evil Dead. I wouldn't call myself a deadite or a, a huge fan of it, but like I really had to go in rehearsal and go and watch the movies again and sort of figure out, okay, what are the jokes here and why is this a thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I came into it really not as a, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a fan of things, but I, that wasn't necessarily in my fandom. So the, that whole experience, I mean, it was a rock show and it was just incredible and, and the support for it was amazing, but I wasn't coming to it as a fan, whereas with Star Trek, I mean, this is really going back to my, my youth, like, mm-hmm. you know, eight, nine, 10 years old, watching, watching Shatner and the boys like running around and, and doing, uh, doing all the act. I mean, it was, it's just a part of my, my, um, my upbringing. So as I was stepping on to, the enterprise and going like into literally stepping onto the bridge of the enterprise my first day i thought i i'm not just here for myself now in this time but i'm here for the kid that i was i'm here for my dad who instilled that love in me and i'm here for every other fan who dreams of doing what i'm doing and so I just tried to be as open and receptive to it and tried to capture as many memories as possible mm-hmm. because I knew that that's that's the hot commodity for anyone that is a fan to to hold on to because those those memories and that that reality of a fan, fantasy realm is um yeah it's like gold and I I really do treasure it every every moment I've been getting you know fan mail coming to to my post office I've got like 3d hammer action figures that people are printing up i've got a dedication plaque to the uss hammer and like (laughs) all of these incredible uh outpourings from fans who you know i i get it i understand that like if i had the the ability and the the power and the the technology to make a 3d printing of of one of my favorite figures from science fiction like i would totally do that Mm -hmm. there are people Mm -hmm. out there that it's just like for them it's hammer and Mm -hmm. uh Gosh, what a what a thrill that is! So that's awesome. I really treasure it. I really value it. Mm-hmm. So the four of us, each of us have like a different favorite series. So before Strange New Worlds, what was your favorite Trek series? The one I would go back to and watch the most would definitely be original series. Okay. Um, because yeah, I don't know. That's that's like. That's just the touchstone. There's, sure. there's, so yeah, many- it established, it established everything right there. <laughs> it did. I mean, and I, you know, my, my brothers and I still like, we do, we, we do catchphrases and we, we still quote episodes and, and, and do Shatner impressions. Like my, my brother Steve still uses the, the, the phrases, what is it from, I think, uh, the way to Eden or something. It's like, I reach, brother, I reach and, you know, calling each other, <laughs> oh, yeah. calling each other, uh, what is it, Hubert? Oh Herb, God, yeah, Herbert or something. Oh God, yes, Herbert, 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 insult you. I'm getting your Herbert. Yes, yeah, and, no, that's and, funny. I forgot about that. You're right. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous and fun, and um, you know the the campiness aside, there are still there are really great oh. stories in there that mm-hmm. uh, you know it's like yeah, it's just it's just canon for me, and yeah, and then every other one I've, I've been on a on a a steady IV diet of Star Trek for mm-hmm. my whole life. It's really hard to, to pick. I mean, I during yeah. the pandemic, I must have binge watched just about every series. I got through Voyager, <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah. this gem, mm-hmm. and fell yeah, in love right. with other characters that you know at the first pass of of, of the series. I'd kind of 
you know, I'd acknowledge them, but I hadn't really necessarily paid attention to their whole arcs. I think the the doctor's arc in in Voyager is oh, excellent, beautiful, yes. so good. Yeah, how they developed his character was just wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Since you and I are like practically the same age that I discovered, I would kind of almost not assume, but was wondering if Next Generation was like a core because of the time in life, you know, because it came out when we were teenagers. Yeah. It's just a yeah. very impressionable time in life. For mm-hmm. sure it was. Yeah. yeah. And it was, yeah. uh, you know, rebooting of the franchise and mm-hmm. a brand new cast and mm-hmm. and jumping ahead into an even more distant, uh, optimistic, beautiful future. Um, was still with its own challenges. I loved the Picard character and his sort of certain, like, especially in the, I think the first season where he's just like, doesn't know how to deal with kids. (laughs) 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 That was basically Wesley Crusher's age at the time. Mm. Yeah, Um, right. That's exactly it. Yes. So immediately it's like, oh yeah. It's like, I don't, I don't know. I I couldn't pull off a jumpsuit like that, but a few of us could. Um, Yeah, it, and and that series definitely brought me back into Star Trek, and I was mm-hmm. a big fan of it. My and my dad, I think, retired around the same time that uh, Next Generation was either in reruns or maybe another series of reruns, and mm-hmm. he binge watched the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we would, uh, yeah, we really connected on that, and and yeah, like you know, it got into my twenties, and I kind of lost track of it. But thank God for for like Netflix and all these mm-hmm. streaming platforms mm-hmm. that. Have, I, I can now watch any episode. I'm I'm on my third rewatch of Enterprise currently. Oh, what season? What what season are you in right now? Uh, they they've just gone into the Expanse. Oh, okay. Nice. That's so good. Three. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Thank like, you. Would you please put that endorsement out there? Because it's one of those series. When I watched it when it first ran, I absolutely loved it. And I endured all the criticism that everybody had of it. And then 10 mm-hmm. years later, people are going, you know, that show Enterprise, it was better than I thought it was, you know, when they give it their second or, you know, second rewatch. Yeah. And it's true yeah. about it. It's yeah. Well, yeah, you, I, you go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, yeah, I feel like season three, if you skip some of the clunkers, there's a really, really good arc and you can oh, really God. see the characters yes. change. Especially uh, when Manny Cotto no. took over. Right. Oh, his writing just just took it off. And the end of the half season, the last half season was remarkable. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, well, remember when we met, Bruce, I was wearing my Enterprise coat, and my <laughs> NX-01, so you know what my That's, favorite series is. Well, it's but, all uh, about zippers, right? Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> so do you remember the first episode that you watched when you got the news that you got Hammer? That I had got Hammer? Yeah, like when you yeah, when you me. got the part, when they called you up, do you remember the episode? Did you have an episode where you're like, I remember watching that episode, like the first episode ever where I'm like, I'm now officially part of Star Trek. I'll tell you that the process to me actually accepting that I had gotten the part was so long and drawn out. Every single step of that Every stage of the process from the last Zoom audition that I did to my my first interview or, or uh, wardrobe fitting and contact lens fitting, which was a total nightmare and disaster, mm-hmm. to prosthetics test to when I did my camera test, that was when I it sunk in that, oh, my God, I'm actually here and this is happening. Um, and... Was there an episode after that that I watched? Gosh, I don't remember. Oh, no. It was... Oh, I'm having a false memory. 
It's okay. You don't have to hold to it. Don't hold to it. Don't hold to it. Time I rewatched um, the the finale of Next Generation. Yeah. Oh, very good. Interesting. Because uh, I just I love that episode Mm -hmm. and the way they ended it. I mean, God, like, and talk about the beautiful moment in Picard with them around mm-hmm. the table again, like all of that. It's like all playing cards. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's uh community there, community in their characters. And, and I could feel that when, when, um, you know, it was announced on star Trek day and they went through the whole cast and, and my, my goofy mug came up and I said, I was going to be playing the character of hammer within 15 seconds. My, my messenger was blowing up with people saying, <laughs> Oh my God. And, and then people I didn't know, uh, writing and saying, welcome to the family. Yeah. Wow. That's oh, so true. okay. There's more tears. So for those uh, of us who are prone to crying, uh, that's that Brian work. right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Bruce, when we met you at the end of Trek Long Island, we had a chance to chat and we were chatting and it was really nice. And I got to know you and you were very attentive to us and all that. And so then I'm going through the source material that Adina had given to us. I didn't know you were 90% blind because I, 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 you, I'm sorry. I, I could not even perceive that because you were so attentive and you right now are looking at us what's it like how do you prepare for a script how do you go through all the emotions mm. that all the other sighted actors have in the in the show i'm, I'm, I'm a, first off i'm truly amazed and honored oh. <laughs> to find out just how multi-talented you are especially in your artwork and all mm-hmm. Thank you. um you are if no one should ever say, oh, gee, with your eyesight, are you disabled? I, I would just say no, <laughs> not at all. But tell us, how do you how do you work the, the show? How did you do that with your eyesight? Well, I uh, I have a lot of tricks. Um, this I, I lost uh, 91 percent of my eyesight. So when, when you said that I'm 90 percent, uh, that's actually a lie. I'm 91. Uh, and I hold <laughs> on to that one percent because it's very important. OK. okay. Huge distinction. No, no. Uh, but I, I lost 91 uh, percent of my eyesight to cancer as a child. So I had what was called bilateral retinoblastoma, which is cancer of the eyes. And it's it appears on the retina. So my doctor is actually able to see it. And the surgery at the time, the, the, the treatment for it back in this would have been 1975, they would have removed the eye completely because the cancer can go up the optic nerve to the brain. So it was so bad in my right eye that they removed it completely, replaced it with an artificial eye. Uh, so I've always worked in prosthetics. Thank you. Didn't um, <laughs> Prosthetics jokes. Yeah, there's, there's like, my out there. like, yeah, prosthetics actor. Um, and then my left eye was basically they tried an experiment where they blasted my left eye with radiation. That treatment has since become uh, somewhat the standard for for uh, retinoblastoma treatment, where they will irradiate the retina. Um, the the fear at the time was that the whole retina would cover over with uh, scar tissue, and I'd have really some perception of light and shadow, and that'd be about it. But mm. by a very happy accident, I've got a little window in the middle of my retina through which I can see. It's actually slightly offset from my pupil, which is why when they tried to fit me with contact lenses, they were going to put opaque lenses in my eye. Uh, with a, a tiny uh, spot carved out for the pupil that 
I, I couldn't see anything with that on now. And um, at that point, while I was sitting in the contact lens specialist's office, I, I sort of turned to the doctor and I said, I think I've just lost the job. And the producer, I think it was Jennifer Hoffler, actually said, um, no, you, this isn't going to lose you the job. We'll fix it in post. And so wow. every single every single shot of Hemmer's eyes <laughs> digitally altered. Interesting. Wow, really? Yeah. Because I, I couldn't wear lenses on the day and I couldn't wear my, my corrected lenses either. So I would work every day completely blind, like wow. to the point wow. where, well, not like I, I could still see light and shadow and some outlines, and but I couldn't see any faces. I couldn't see uh, and certainly moving into a dark area, it just becomes completely black. And with a, even a little bit of light, suddenly everything's washed out. So I was really going blind on the set. Um, it meant I would... Well, I would have the scripts sent to me usually. I try to get them as soon as possible so I could start getting off book as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Now, in film and TV, things change on the fly. So thankfully, I have a, a extensive background in improvisation. Uh, I trained at Loose Moose Theatre in Calgary, Alberta, which was founded by Keith Johnstone, who was one of the founders of, uh, well, really one of the formulators of modern improvisation, created something oh, wow. called theater, theater sports, which <laughs> eventually developed into whose line is it anyway? Um, so I, I've trained with Keith for a long time and one of his, well, he's got several great tenants, but uh, one of them is don't be prepared because <laughs> 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 it's going to change anyway. So you come in with a plan and somebody throws something else at you, you're not going to be able to get rid of your plan. So just don't, mm. don't have a plan. So I would prepare, I would get off book. I would do my reading. I have the script sent to me on my iPad. And I transfer it into a program called Notability, which uh, is great for making notes, highlighting. You can change the contrast, the font, everything. Mm. So, I, And I can blow it up real big. So even without my lens on, I'm able to read. I mean, it might be one letter at a time on the iPad, but at least I mm-hmm. can have text there. And uh, yeah, I would get up in the morning. I would read it over and then I would just write out my lines over and over and over and over again. And then I would record them and listen to them and say them back. On set, um, they provided me with a, a production assistant every day. So there would be someone to meet me at the van to take me to the trailer, to take me from, <laughs> to walk me from prosthetics back to the trailer, to get into costume, to walk with me to the set where I would get handed off to someone uh, backstage or sometimes another cast member would meet me. And then when it was time to block the scene, um, I would take some extra time and I would just walk the space to get it into my body so that I I knew where things were going to be. You know, like when you walk home, when you're at home, Mm -hmm. you know, you you could probably do with your eyes closed, just walk around. You might stub your toe if somebody leaves some Lego out or something, but well, if you stub your toe on Lego, it's a big piece of Lego, but you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, It's fun. (laughs) My my, my living room is full of Legos right now. <laughs> so literally, as we speak, there's there's a floor of Legos I, out there. I will never step foot in your living room, Adina. No. It's just not. It's too dangerous. There's a big Duplo right now. On, yes. but, but you know he's oh, almost five, so we're almost yeah. about to transition to the yeah. other Legos. But yeah, that's my living room. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting. It's interesting, Bruce, because you know in Star Trek Enterprise, when you in the last season, when you're introduced to the Inar. Yeah. The blind Andorians, and you have mm-hmm. the regular Andorians. The blind Andorians come off as these very peaceful, loving, gentle creatures. The traditional Andorians 
are really a bunch of grumpy smurfs. <laughs> grumpy so smurfs. You, I love it. <laughs> so, but you took both characters and combined them into one because when I first started watching you, I go, man, this guy is the grumpiest creature in the entire planet. I mean, <laughs> my goodness, he's so grumpy. That's not what the Inar is. They're peaceful, loving, sweet, <laughs> gentle people. And mm. by the end of the series, it's like, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Doctor, we mm. love you. You know? Yeah. So did did you purposely like meld the two different types of Andorians together for that particular, or was that the way it was written for you? It's very much written that way. I mean that okay. that first scene in particular, I think gives the gives the flavor of Hammer, and and oddly, I, I think in the arc of the scene, like you see him crack, and and I don't know if it's still in the in, in what went to air, but where he says I like her and stock and Spock says mm-hmm. indeed or something at the end. Mm-hmm. Um and you just see the little crack in the armor and I thought, okay, that's that's the template for my whole for Hammer's whole arc is he's gonna be grumpy, he's gonna test her, mm-hmm. he's going to uh you know, playfully admonish, and he's ultimately <laughs> going to soften and crack and show that underbelly. It's all in that first scene. Yeah. And I think that the beauty of the series is that we get to see those those various aspects of him where I really got to play um, just in in t- terms of, you know, Bruce Horak throwing stuff in was in the Elysium Kingdom. Where uh, I got- episode oh, number eight. So much fun. It was such especially, a riot. Yeah. Well, especially Anson. He just went. He was ca- hilarious. Yeah. Just, yeah. He, he was. He had so much fun. Do- I, I, all of you did, but he played the opposite of whose character was, and that was great. As did you all, and that's it was, great. It, just delightful. Yeah, yeah, and mm-hmm. um, yeah. I I just over the the course of every every episode with the different directors and the different. Uh, I wouldn't say they all switch genres, but the different kind of flavors to each of the episodes. I uh, I think there is just a great opportunity to explore the, the many facets of Hammer and and yeah, my hats off to the writers. Mm-hmm. They created a great character. So, Truly. do you know what's coming in season two in a couple of weeks? Or are you in suspense like the rest of us? I can't say either way. Okay. If I, uh, right. well, that's fine. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> I have to ask. I have oh, to no, ask. No. Exactly. <laughs> I'm very excited. And and in the same way that it was with season one, like it's the difference between, and I'm slowly understanding this, but there's the difference between acting on film and TV and being live theater is that film and TV is such a long collaborative process. And actors are just a, mm little small piece of the puzzle. And so what we did on the set, you know, a lot of the people were there to collaborate, but then there's a whole other bank of names that come in and add the effects and the editing and the music and all of that, which we don't see until it finally does come to air. Mm -hmm. And um, that part of it is really exciting because when I saw the, the first season, um, I just, I just kept squealing with joy and clapping and saying, it's good. Yeah. yeah right. right on. So, so did we. Mm-hmm. Nice. Oh, yeah. Everybody yeah. was just like, I remember just the fandom was just blown away by season one. We were all like, this is what we've been waiting for. This is what yeah. we've, what we've wanted for a long time. Episodic, but still a background arcs. Yeah. yeah. It's like the perfect yeah. blend of, mm-hmm. yeah, it's episodic. It has the original series flavor of every, every episode's a little bit different, different genre, but we have an overarching story and it's like the best blend. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the, uh, 
the producers and the creators and the writers have really been listening to to the fans. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I remember Anson saying that uh, one day on set about how like this is this is what the fans have been asking for. They when when season two of Discovery came out and and the love of seeing Pike and Una and Spock on on Discovery and so many in the fandom were like, we want to see that spinoff. We want to see that spinoff. Yeah. Okay. And then they got to work and and figured out, okay, so if they want to see that, what do we what do we give them that satisfies the fans' craving for that series? And also push the envelope because that's what good sci-fi does. It challenges mm-hmm. the expectations. Here's your here's your expectation, and then here's the possibilities. Where can we play within that? And without going way too far outside. Can we can we find a way in? And uh, I I feel like that first season just knocked it out of the park, giving giving uh, people what they wanted, and also, uh, you know, um, <laughs> I was going to say giving them what they needed because not everybody wanted a hammer death, but we're needed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we yeah. wanted more. We wanted it to be. I was hoping. I was like, okay, maybe there's a beam away. Maybe. You know, Doctor Mbenga is like, oh, actually, we were able to figure out how to save you, and you're back. And you never know; the stranger yeah. things have happened where we thought I, characters I, were dead and they came back, and you know, you never know. Alternate realities are so well, many options. I'm hoping for Hammer because I remember one of the most frustrating things about Strange New Worlds, in the best possible way, is prior to Strange New Thing or Strange New Worlds, I had my order. I was like, I know who my favorite captain is. I know my favorite engineer. And then Hammer comes along. It's like, oh, great. Where do I put Hammer? Because he's so good. It's like, I've got to reevaluate yeah. everything yeah. now. Well, who was who your favorite engineer before Hammer? Uh, Trip. Trip was my guy. Yeah. I loved, he was so much fun to watch. He was brilliant, but he was also just, he felt more <laughs> human than the other engineers. Not that they weren't, but yeah. like Trip is someone you could hang out with. Whereas... And a noble death. A noble death. Uh, another no, no. death. Which no, we don't, no, 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 no. Remember, that was in a hologram program. Can we I just say, <laughs> section 31. <laughs> the, good that, the good that men do, he lives, he lives. Section 31. Same okay. with Hammer. That's section right. 31. There you go. Let's just say that. There's always possible, as someone <laughs> I, liked to say, you know, used to say, uh, there's always yep. possibilities. Possibilities, right? exactly. Now, Strange New well, Worlds really, I think, did that for me, too, where... Uh, I wasn't thinking it necessarily like who my favorite captains are, although I'm a Cisco guy and then a Picard guy. And, um, but I just, it, all the characters were so wonderfully written, wonderfully portrayed by you and your fellow actors. And it's a beautiful, I mean, the cinematography, the music, the lighting, the sets are just gorgeous. It's so well done. That it it just and I love that about it too. Like I, I really believe this new track is is going to stand the test of time. I think I really hope it stays with us, like the original series, like Next Gen. That that my kids will be watching it on whatever platform is available when they're adults, and then sharing it with their kids because it's just it's that rich, it's that good. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll say this, like, obviously we're looking forward to season two, but I'm anticipating 20 years from now when it's like, oh, Strange New Worlds is like the cast is coming back. I don't know how they would do it continuity wise, <laughs> but and I would love that. I, I think it will. I think, Brian, I think you're right. It's definitely going to stand the test of time. Pike. 
Mm-hmm. That's exactly. the pike. Yeah. So, 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 br- so outside oh, of Trek, well, I was going to say, so, so no, no, what, what are you doing these days, you know, outside of Trek? Oh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you paint. Painting is awesome. I love painting. That's really cool. <laughs> Yes. I mean, do, do you have any other acting gigs coming up that that you can will, talk yeah. about? That you're allowed to that talk. That you about? talk. I say that facetiously. I'm mm-hmm. I'm actually uh, I'm, I'm kind of got, I've got about six irons in the fire right now. Um, I am uh, doing portrait sittings. That's a big part of my day. So mm-hmm. I sit with. I've been working on uh, painting a thousand portraits. My wow. Uh, started. Um, a friend of mine asked me how it is that I see. And I said, well, why don't I try to paint what I see in, in acrylic paint and see if I can capture your likeness. And I'm now into, uh, I think almost 700 portraits, individual. Wow. wow. And when the pandemic hit, uh, I, I <laughs> over to zoom. So I've been sitting with people all over the world and it's a 45 minute session over zoom and we chat it's very informal i just ask a few questions take some screenshots i record the session i get the audio and then i do a a digital uh, portrait which gets emailed to people or they can have a time lapse as well so there's a time lapse of the digital portrait being created or the third uh, version of it is a digital a jpeg a time lapse of the portrait being created and then an actual eight by ten and painted acrylic canvas of their portrait. I want to do wow. that. I hate yeah, having my photo good. taken. I want to do that. Oh, well, portraits are yeah. so much easier. So I don't, I don't know if, if you can see this, but my walls are covered with these portraits. Oh wow! Fantastic. Oh my god! Yeah. So should we? Should we try and do some for big sci-fi? That's <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> I just want to do instead I've of having my my picture taken. Mm. I, I did the uh, the album artwork and the the portraits for my brother's band. Um, oh, that's great. I, I created a, a deck of playing cards, which are 54 individual portraits on them. Um, for yeah, sale? Well, are those for sale? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Would well, you send us a link to that, please? Website. Go to Bruce yeah, yeah. on the website. Okay. All right. I'll, I will I'm go looking at that. the website right now, and it is, it, it is stunning. It is absolutely stunning, Bruce. portrait sitting through the website, and uh, or you can order... I think I've got autographed photos on there and there's the deck of playing cards is available through there as well. That's great. And, that's um, great. So that's keeping me really busy. And then uh, July, end of July, I'm going to Vulcan, Alberta for Vulcan, which is the 30th anniversary of the Vulcan Star Trek uh, convention in Vulcan, Alberta. Nice. And then beginning of August, I'll be going to Star Trek Las Vegas, the 57 year mission. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And, and August 17th to September 15th, I'll be in Vancouver, British Columbia, presenting or presenting um, acting in Goblin Macbeth, which is uh, a show that Rebecca Northend and I created, where the premise is three goblins have discovered the complete works of William Shakespeare and decide to try theater for their very first time. Oh, I love it. That's God. really cool. Are you going to videotape that? Because that sounds like something that would be hilarious. Hey, Steve, we don't videotape anymore. I'm sorry. I'm 66 <laughs> years old. In, we I'm 66 years old. Okay. We ate track. I, yeah. So that's going to uh, Bard on the Beach, which is the Vancouver Shakespeare in the Park Festival. And we're bringing Goblin Macbeth to the Stratford Festival in Stratford, Ontario. Ooh, when's that going to be? Because I can, because I'm like, I'm, in, I'm in Brampton. Oh well, come to Stratford. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
October, uh, I want to say the 15th and the 28th. So the last two weeks of October and really my goal. And I, I said this to Rebecca as we were, as we were uh, kind of putting our heads together on where the show is going to go. Cause my dream with Goblin Macbeth is that we take the goblins to uh, various um, fan expos because it's a great cross ma- cross meeting of Star Trek meets goblins meets fantasy meets Shakespeare meets you know all the fan things but also eventually I want the goblins to play the Globe Theater in London England and uh, the Acropolis in Greece hmm. so I'm just putting that out there come see us in Stratford that would be cool I'd go see you in Stratford I've been to the Globe Theater it's a beautiful place it isn't really it nice is. Yeah. It, it is really yeah we beautiful. saw we saw that's a great location and mm. very specific as well yeah so I got one last question for you yes sir. did you uh, copyright the term gornographic yet <laughs> it should be yeah <laughs> Because you use that, when you use that in the interview, I went, "Oh my God, that's a great line! You that's should copyright that." Well, that was that was Sully and I goofing around while we're waiting for me to get Gorn Good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the late night in the at the AR wall in engineering, uh, I think we got a bit punchy and started coming up with our Gorn puns, <laughs> Gornography. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Thank you. That's awesome. Well. We're coming close to the end of our time. So, guys, did any last-minute questions? He, he he did mine. Thank he you. He did yours. Brian, Chris? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. Well, I'm going to say, Bruce, thank you so much for being generous with your time. Absolute pleasure. Yeah. Um, we're so you. happy you were here to, this evening with us. Thank you for setting this up. I really do appreciate it. Oh, we, good. we more than you, I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and of course, thank you to our listening audience. We hope yeah. everyone had a great time listening and hope that everyone feels like they were part of the conversation as well. Anyone can feel free to email us at the big sci-fi podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. And we're looking for those ah, who don't see, actually angry smurf. See, uh, we right? see smurf. That's awesome. That is <laughs> great. <laughs> Now, and again, people, you can also let us know your thoughts by joining our awesome Facebook group, following us on Instagram or Twitter, and also by subscribing to our YouTube page for video content. We are now a part of the Trek Geeks podcast network, and you can check us out and all the other amazing podcasts at trekgeeks.com. Until next time, be well, be kind, live long and prosper so you can catch the next exciting episode of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. Do it. Thanks all.